0: This episode of The Ready State is sponsored by Territory Foods. Dude, how many times has this happened to us? I go
1: to the gym. Maybe I'm a day late on picking up my Territory Meals. And you know what happens? Someone has ganked them. They've taken
0: Full them. Full Territory Meal theft.
1: Yeah, and uh, it just goes to show you that people are sharks. Like they know, hey, the Star Rats, maybe they, maybe they don't really care. Territory changed our life because it filled in the gaps on whole food nutrition that sometimes we got behind on.
0: And when we're in a rush, it saves our lives. Like this morning, we had to walk our kids to school on the walking school bus, and we had a super busy morning with conference calls and a very small amount of time to get ready ourselves, and we both ate a territory meal for breakfast, and it saved our lives.
1: Brunch in a bowl.
0: Brunch in a bowl. That's one of our favorites. That's
1: one of my favorites. Look, um, one of the things we want to just remind you is that you are a busy human and whole food nutrition has been shown to be the best way to improve your performance and, perfu- perf- and to improve your general health as a human being. We have vilified whole food. Stop it. Get on the whole food train. This is this is, this is is the magic.
0: If you want to receive $25 off your first two orders, go to territoryfoods.com slash yum slash the ready state. That's
1: Y-U-M. Hey everyone, I'm Dr. Kelly Starrett.
0: And I'm Juliette Starrett.
1: And this is The Ready State. We are excited to have Chris Spieler on The Ready State today. Chris was an individual competitor in seven CrossFit games, is an affiliate owner and trainer for CrossFit HQ. He also teaches a variety of seminars, both domestically and internationally. Chris collected top 10 finishes at the Games in 2007, all the way up to 2010, and even the Spirit of the Games Award in 2010. He has numerous podium finishes in regionals and open, as well as his third-place finish at the 2007 Games. Chris has been teaching at a variety of competitions and seminars and is currently sharing his knowledge and experience developing and programming for Icon Athlete. Chris lives in Park City with his wife, two kids, and their dogs, Oakley and Avalanche. He is a savage.
0: Welcome to the Ready State Podcast, Chris. We are super pumped to have you and talk to you today.
1: Thanks. I appreciate you having me on, Chris. Do you remember where we first met?
0: Heck yeah, man! I bet you with Eva
2: Twardokens at uh, some kind of like outdoor—I don't know—is either a dessert place or like shack or like fast food or a burger it, joint. It was definitely.
1: It was. It was like that. It was definitely not dessert because no,
2: you don't eat dessert. I, I, I do now, because I'm... <laughs> yeah. but, it, but, I mean. but in the high
1: days, I remember...
2: Wait, so hey,
0: you guys didn't finish. You didn't let him finish. Where was that? Santa Cruz. It was Santa Cruz, oh, was in, yeah. Oh, okay, right okay. after okay. the
1: first games. Yep. And what was amazing is I was the head judge in the weightlifting on the first games. But then oh, you yeah. came in. Yeah, I know. That's all that's we go back. I but that. I remember sitting down with you, and he was like, this is Chris Spieler. He's the chosen one. <laughs>
0: Were those her exact words? Pretty much. (laughs) Oh, man. But she
1: was like, (laughs) you've never seen an athlete like this before. And I was like, that's probably true. And then you went on to
2: prove that, my friend. I don't know. I mean, I think a lot of people have done far more than I, but it it was a good run while it lasted, that's for sure.
0: (laughs) So tell us, uh, we've been asking all of our guests this season this question, but give us the backstory of how you became CrossFit aware. When did you learn about CrossFit? When did you start doing it? yourself and then, you know, your sort of affiliate journey. So if you could just go back to the dot of time and tell us.
2: Yeah. So I uh, was doing um, this this thing called Young Life. It's a non-denominational Christian outreach to high school kids. And I was a leader for Park City area. And one of the kids that was part of the group ended up graduating, going on to be a Marine. And I went on a Young Life trip. And we were hanging out in La Jolla, California, and he was stationed close to there at the time and swung by to say, Hey, and he was like, Hey, found this thing called CrossFit. You got to check it out. This was in 2006 summer, I think, or no fall of 2006. And I was like, cool, you know, I'll check it out. Forgot about it for about a week and then did a little Google foo and found it and uh, thought, well, what the heck? I'll give it a shot. So I tried it the next day. First workout was Cindy. It's a good thing because that was kind of like a little wheelhouse, even though I did it terribly. <laughs> um range of motion was atrocious and um you know I did it like in the Globo Gym and squatted to a box because I think I saw some video of a guy doing that. Did push-ups like wrestlers do because we're awesome and did my pull-up strict and you know, did that deal and uh I was kinda hooked to be honest from there. And I told my buddy we were doing some kind of like West Side Barbell type stuff at the time i just told him hey i'm gonna give this thing a shot for like six or eight weeks and see what i think and he thought it was kind of stupid um and uh i tried it about a week later he jumped in with me and gosh i mean that was the fall of 2006 and in 2007 uh the spring may of 2007 i opened up crossfit park city
1: amazing cindy was my first workout too it seemed easy right yeah like, nice. I don't need this, this equipment. So Piece of cake. Yeah, no. I got this. And yeah, yeah, Kelly
0: did all the pull-ups strict too. And, you know, for him, that's a that's a tall order. For any person. Given that doing, he weighs yeah. 235. The world has changed since then. I mean, before. He probably only weighed 215 then. <laughs>
1: yeah. Chris was the first human being that we ever said do 100 pull-ups in a row. And we didn't even know that was possible as a human being. So we have to let's reset the expectations back in <laughs> 2006, 2007, right? So,
0: you know, one of the things we've uh, noticed with at least – quite a few of our guests this season is that it seems like people, the, the, a lot of the people who found and sort of fell in love with CrossFit early on had a pretty serious athletic background before, uh, finding CrossFit. I, it sounds like you were a wrestler. Um, kind of what were you up to athletically before you found CrossFit?
2: Oh man, I did kind of everything under the sun. Shocker. I was a small kid. Um, so I played soccer, uh, growing up, but I kind of hated it cause I was real tiny. Couldn't keep up with people stumbled into wrestling in first grade. And that just kind of stuck like glue. Cause it was fair. You know, I could wrestle kids my size, but I ran track. I even played golf for the high school one year. I, what else? I? I played lacrosse. Um, you know, I did a lot of different sports growing up, but wrestling was like the one, you know, the common thread did it every year and then in high school kind of chose my junior year to really pursue wrestling and try to get as good as I could and went on to wrestle in college which was a great experience um at Haven University which was cool as a small school about 5,000 kids but I got to wrestle D1 just because of the way the program worked there um and then shortly after that had some opportunities to kind of pursue it but was just kind of crushed, was burnt out, and I had been, I moved out to Park City right after college, so it had been about four years of me trying to kind of figure out what I wanted to do with my life, and also just going through these ebbs and flows of training, kind of playing around with some stuff I did in college, and um, I was riding my mountain bike a ton, I did like a hundred mile mountain bike race, and so fitness was always a thing, and training was always used to Enhanced sport for me, you know. Anytime I was in the weight room, it was to be better wrestler. Um, And then it was kind of this weird phase of like, well, that's kind of all I have. There's no old guy wrestling club, and if there was, I didn't (laughs) want to do it. So um, that was like a yeah, that was a really hard time um, of transition for me, just being out of college, not knowing what I wanted to do. And when I found CrossFit, it was uh, yeah, the light bulb clicked in a whole lot of ways as far as like what I wanted to do as profession. Be a coach, um and and also that just the training methodology felt more like sport than working out, which felt perfect.
1: We can completely yeah. relate to that. Hey, uh in the gap between kind of college and 2007, what were you doing professionally?
2: Oh my gosh. I was a ski bum, Kelly. I was hmm. a professional I ski mean, bum. This is
1: why, man, I feel like when I when I look at you, I see myself.
2: Yeah. I was you know, uh except I for the everything. athleticism. Well get out of here. I was uh so I did, uh, I first came out to Park City and I did like an internship with a company where we were supposed to take like um, organizations, companies out on, like adventure races, but spent way more time behind the desk, really disliked it. And then from there, uh, did a little bit of personal training with like your typical certification online open book test and really unsatisfying. I coached mountain biking for some young kids with an organization in town. I worked at a ski shop and the repair shop. I was kind of a manager at one. I wrenched on bikes in the summer. I sold skis in the winter. I skied sixty days a year.
0: Rode my when, bike every when day. When did
2: that you actually, meet your wife? And how did you trick actually, her?
0: That sounds awesome. Actually, hang,
2: that's right. That's our goal. To get good back except to for that right? eight dollars yeah. an hour. I'll real yeah, my, <laughs> five minus the five
0: minimum days wage. A week that sounds awesome.
2: Yeah, everyone's like, "Oh, but you get ProForm." <laughs> I was like, "It doesn't matter. I still can't afford any, <laughs> any of the stuff on ProForm either."
1: <laughs> uh, um. That's amazing. One of the things that is a common thread amongst our best CrossFit athletes is they were really big athletes beforehand, Yeah. right? I think that's that's something that we've seen a lot of. Um, one of the things that you were have known for forever was gigantic aerobic engine. Do you feel like uh, you we our experience with the CrossFit is sometimes some of us got into it and forgot that the big aerobic engine was important. Did yeah. you always sort of know that that was your secret weapon? Because I think we all came back to it and we're like, oh yeah, you have to be strong, skilled and have a big engine.
2: Yeah, I think so. It You know, wrestling is kind of like that. It's just, uh, and I was, I think the mentality just shifted over. I was not a great technician. So technically I was like, I was good, but I wasn't like one of these guys that had like a ton of finesse and could just rely on, you know, just crazy body awareness and technique and, I just wasn't like that. So I took on this mentality of a lot. If anybody has kind of followed kind of uh, NCAA wrestling, Iowa is known as just like these guys that will outwork anybody. And I, I remember watching a video when I was in high school and kind of took on that mentality of like, well, if I can't beat them technically, I'm just going to run them into the ground. And I'm going to make them wish they were never out there with me. And that was really just capacity. You know, It's really just work capacity and, and an engine. And that kind of shifted over into CrossFit. And, and uh, you know, being a smaller athlete, uh, obviously the weightlifting stuff took longer for me to gain. So I always kind of relied on the conditioning side, which really truthfully came from wrestling and, and uh, a bit of the training and the mentality. So that was always a, a big part of it for me and something I had to lean on heavily.
0: So, uh, back to just the logistics. You affiliated in two thousand seven. Do yeah. you? This is sort of a multi-part question, but do you know what affiliate number you were, and also what Ooh. is the name of your affiliate? And then, actually, it's a three-part question. Yeah. Um. Did you go all in when you affiliated? Like, were you, you know, did you quit all your other minimum wage jobs and go all in yeah, <laughs> at your CrossFit gym, or did question. you kind of keep other jobs at the time?
2: Yeah. So I think I don't know the exact number, but I was in the first, I think, hundred and fifty. Um, I even remember when I was opening up. I remember calling. The community was so small then. I called. Do you guys remember Skip Chase from yeah. Washington? Oh yeah. Oh, so yeah. I I called Skip because everyone was talking about Skip Chase and this open gym model and how great it was. And I was like, I got to talk to this guy, you know. So he had I the called ab Crunch Skip Roller. Beast. Remember he had the world record for sit-ups on that Ew. ab ab frame beast. So <laughs> I called him to find out how his affiliate went. And Then I called a guy from Philadelphia that owned a CrossFit there. And like, remember, uh, who was it? Dave Warner. He had kind of those like, uh, like the first affiliate up by Seattle and stuff. And so I tried to call around to get information, but anyway, I think I was in the first 150 or so name was, and still is CrossFit park city. And, uh, what was the third part to that? Oh, I did not leave everything. Um, I was a ski bum. So I was really kind of flexible. I was generally training in the morning and the night, you know, kind of the way that classes revolve anyway at a CrossFit gym when you're first starting and then working in the middle of the day at the shop. But I think I started the affiliate in May and then by October, I just went all in. And by all in, I mean, like I was still scraping by, you know, <laughs> yeah. sleeping yeah, there, in my just New brutal <laughs>
0: There, There was a point early on where Kelly was like working his five day a week full time job and he would coach like the 6 a.m. and the mm-hmm. 6 p.m. And oh, those yeah. were our only two classes. Yeah,
1: but I wasn't all in at that moment because I was <laughs> yeah. only just all in from 4.30 a.m. to 9 p.m., right? Yeah, right.
2: I know. Yeah, so that is the same thing for me. Yep. Taught all the classes at the gym for, I think, year and a half, almost two years with the exception of two. I mean, every that day. That
1: volume, you know, one of the things that I think it's lost sometimes is that, you know, like, for, for example, with Adrian is that we were always down there. And always noodling and always practicing. We got so many reps in and so much high volume early on. And in a time where we could sort of make mistakes and really develop our thinking. Yeah. And some of that I feel like, you know, the young generation of coaches behind you and I certainly the coaches that you, you that work with you don't get to sort of don't get the luxury of being able to just noodle, 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 noodle all day.
2: Yeah. It's like we've really tried to create uh, a really small, group of trainers at our gym so that they kind of can do that in a way. It's different because they don't have to learn it on their own like we did. But, uh, but you know, we keep our training staff almost as minimum as we can so that they can teach more classes, have more opportunity for one-on-ones, have opportunities to build programs within the gym because we want them to be actual professionals and not just like, hey, I teach two classes a week and swap, in, you know, swap a membership for that. We want to try to really facilitate an environment where when someone walks in a CrossFit Park City and they have a coach, that they're like a true professional coach. And not that there's anything wrong with it, but they're not just like a part-time sideshow gig kind of thing.
0: Yeah, I mean, we, we relate to that too. We've really tried to create a space where coaches can actually make a living being a coach yep. so that they can be a professional coach. I think that's the first yeah. sort
1: of entry point is like, can I actually feed myself doing this? That makes me a professional.
2: Yes. Versus a dilettante hobbyist, which is great. Right. And there's nothing wrong with that. But, like, at the same time, you know, if you want to be the best coach out there and you're coaching four hours a week, you know, that's 16 hours in a month. And how good are you going to get? It's just like anything. You got to spend time doing it to get good at it. So, creating that opportunity for people, I think, is important. It's hard. It's hard to do. um, But I think it's the right thing to do in the long run.
1: Well, you know, one of the things that, unfortunately and fortunately for your staff is that you sort of have a pretty amazing reputation and anyone in that area, I refer to you, to your gym and you guys can handle it. And do you feel like that that puts a little bit of extra pressure on you guys to be good because a, you know, you are live in a mountain community where people get good coaching and potentially have access to that and be your Chris Spieler.
2: You know, it's funny. Like most people, most people have no idea. And in some ways it's like, it's been a disadvantage to be you know quote unquote chris spieler um most people in our town have no idea i'm just like the crossfit guy as in like the guy that owns crossfit park city Um, (laughs) so that's how they kind of know me and it's not they don't know anything that i've done and then if they do know what i've done we've even had people that have been really hesitant to come in the doors and even check us out because they're like oh you're the guy that's been to the games this many times it's gonna be super intense and all competitive And they walk in the door and they're like, wait a second. It's not like that at all. And I'm like, well, no, it's not. It's not because it's not our community, you know? Um, so in some ways the whole like, ah, I was a CrossFit Games guy, like has backfired on me. Um, or people walk in the door and, you know, I've got some cool like jerseys and medals hanging up and I've had some people walk in the door and they're like, Hey, so, you know, do you, uh, have you worked with any competitors before? And I'm like, yeah, you know, we have. And, have you ever sent anybody the games? So I'm like, we, yeah, we have. And <laughs> like, how do you answer those questions, you know? So it's like, uh, it's been a bit of a a tricky spot, but you know, all in all, um, it, it's not, I don't think uh, the environment puts pressure on on our coaches. I think, uh, I really do believe that like the coaches at our gym are the very best in our community. You know, if they went to any gym, and someone really educated themselves on like, hey, what am I getting for this hour? And, you know, I think they would know. And the hard part is educating them. So I think it's just part of our culture. You know, it's just expected of them. And it's the way we kind of teach and groom coaches. And it's just a natural thing. Is it
1: ever awkward when you're like, come over to this pull-up bar named after me? <laughs>
0: My question, was I it was really? Gonna ask, you looking at each other, like I'm on here. Yeah, I was like, I was like, yeah. yeah, I was like we're not even talking Go about ahead. the pull-up car yet. No, oh, that's too, it's too early for that. Too early. Um, <laughs> no, but I was going to tell you a story, which is that we often have people come up to us. It's mostly visiting CrossFitters who come into town, and they're like, yeah, they're like, are your members so stoked that Kelly coaches there? And I was like, no, and. Yeah they don't even know who Kelly is in the greater yep. fitness world. Like they don't know, they don't care. Someone, someone know, recently and, was
1: like, Hey, that guy on the wall on those posters looks like you. And I was like, isn't that weird?
0: <laughs> so odd. And then the, the other funny thing that happens is because San Francisco CrossFit is sort of known as like the gym where we care about movement and mechanics that a lot of our members Will go visiting to other Crossfits and specifically won't tell the other gym that they're from San Francisco Crossfit because right. they don't want to be held to the standard that right. they don't feel like they've reached. Which you I mean think like is I have so to, funny?
2: Yeah, you mean like I have to be perfect in movement? No, I'm not. Yeah, exactly. Not, like yeah. they
0: think. Yeah, they think that that's the expectation, so they just don't tell anyone. They're like, yeah, I go that's to a Crossfit, great. but they just anyway. Um, you have competed in seven, if I'm correct, seven Crossfit games, starting yeah. from the very first one. Yep. And, uh, you, did they they change? Did they change? Yeah. Yeah. And you were obviously a fan favorite, but what I want to know is, do you have any like moments that really stand out in your mind that you remember or workouts or interactions you had, or just, you know, when you think back to your time in the games, like what stands out for you? And
1: I'd like to follow up with what would you do over?
2: Yeah. There's just too many, you know, like the truth is every, all, there's so many like really special moments, you know, the first one, I mean, the most devastating workout ever was the sandbag run in 2009, um, 2010, Amanda under the lights at the stub hub or the, you know, whatever it was then. I mean, what a cool, like, oh, this is such a cool experience. 2011, I think pushing the dog sled with my head, like people freaking out 2012, the full cramp on the, the run and then beating uh. Ram at the finish and two thousand. 14 the clean ladder with everyone freaking out and like being able to say goodbye that way there's just been so many that it's really hard to pin down one but you know for me to be able to say goodbye to the competition floor at least on the individual side um in 2014 and do the clean ladder and have like the crowd just go bananas what a what a you know I think I uh, just really fortunate because not many people have those moments let alone Uh, you know, when, you know, it's your last time out there. So that's gotta, gotta be one of them for sure.
0: That, that little tennis stadium at the StubHub Center was just from a, a like crowd and excitement standpoint. And I I will say, I can't compare it to Madison since I haven't been, but that was really special. It was was a special place.
1: Let me, let me ask you this. You just went to the legends at the rogue invitational, which is. I mean, we have seen a lot of exercising as a competition yep. and you know, you, you become slightly immune to it, right? Yep, sure. Because you guys are freaks. We just see our freakish friends do these things over and over and it's, it's incredible. But Juliet and I hung on the legends competition because it was, it was maybe our generation. Yeah. We could completely relate to you guys as p- your parents, you have businesses, you have like health insurance and mortgages and yep. like. You know, like yeah. you're we, we real could, like, people. We could like yes. reminisce
0: about funny things Miko Salo said to us in the past and <sighs> yeah.
1: make a medcon. Yeah. So but yeah. Jason, we, we just talked to Jason yesterday and he said that being under the lights, doing Amanda, she he said even Ashley was crying with it was so emotional. Yeah. Was that your experience?
2: Yeah. Uh it was you know, that's just another one of those moments that will go down like what a special event for us to be there with like all of our buddies that were there in 2010 and to have the crowd in a similar atmosphere with a similar vibe and have everyone think like, well, part of what made it so special is just everyone was so, you know, we know we're not what we once were. And even though we all PR demanded, which is cool, like we, we aren't what we once were, you know, and for the community to not really care and just like be so excited that we were out there You know, and like Everett's doing split snatches and Miko's doing power snatches and we're like all throwing down. It was definitely, I mean, I get chills talking about it now. It was definitely one of the most like, almost like most rewarding moments because it's like all that hard work you did years ago is kind of done. And, you know, what you've done is, not that you can't mess it up, but it's kind of, it's done. There's no more... You know performance gains to be had and things like that and and to be able to be there share that experience and just oh it was awesome it was Chris how how yeah. old are you I'm 40
1: dang okay yeah so we looked we looked at that uh that photo of there's a photo of you guys hanging out like a bunch of middle-aged bros yeah Working like, out together.
0: With like all the abs. <laughs>
1: and oh, yeah. we were like we, we were like, hmm, I guess this is what forty looks like now, doesn't it? <laughs> no, it's it's pretty amazing to see to see that you guys are still intact after over a decade of this training and still, you know, having a having a relationship with CrossFit as a methodology. I mean, you clearly, in order to do those things, you still have to crossfit. How has your personal practice changed, you know, as you've gotten older?
2: Oh, tremendously. You know, it's, it's the same principles, right? But it's not the same volume. So my training is, I work out between five and six days a week. It really just depends on how I feel. One day a week, I lift heavy because I, I love to, you know, it's just something I really, um, I, Me too. I think I'm it's one part of a week. Yep. I just need to, um, I can't do a whole lot of olympic lifting and a whole lot of like real dynamic lifts anymore. Uh my knees and my shoulder, and my back have kind of taken a toll over the years, so that's like very tempered. Um I still do it, you know, but not like I used to. But I'm like, you know, 45 minutes to an hour, I I do a warm up, pretty good warm up. Um I do one workout and try to drop the hammer and work out real hard and then I do some kind of cool down or some little accessory work if i have time or if i'm i'm hungry for it and by that i mean you know maybe like some sled drags or you know not accessory work where it's like oh i want to do you know 90 percent of my one rep max snatch that's not accessory work so (laughs) so it's uh yeah accessory volume yeah so i'm very much accessory work
0: yeah
2: yeah you know we
0: had a Really quick, we had we talked to Annie Sakamoto, and she said one interesting thing about her own training that's changed is that as her kids have gotten older, older their schedules have gotten busier. Yeah, and so she said that that's actually and she she said happily, you know, she wants to participate in her kids' lives and go to their sports events and yep. whatever, but she said that's sort of been a big limiter in her own ability to just you know train whenever she wants. Do you have you found the same thing now that your kids are third oh, and first grade?
2: Hundred percent. You know, it's one of those things where. I'm still a psycho. So I still need to work out. Otherwise I'm a bad human being. Um, but, uh, even if I can get something short in something quick, it's, uh, it's definitely much more. There's just so much more going on right now. Um, and there's also more that I want to experience that I, I didn't get to for a long time. So, um, like this weekend, we're going to go, me and my buddies, we're going to go, um, up to Idaho city and do a, a hundred mile dirt bike race. like. That would never have happened seven years ago when I was in the thick of this training stuff. So there's a lot that I wanted. I want to ski, you know, and I want to enjoy life with my fam. We're going to go up to Canada and do like a kind of a road trip in the van. I'm just going to throw a sandbag in the back and try to smash myself each day with a sandbag and just let it be what it is instead of worrying about my uber-specific training cycle. So it's very different, and that's a big part of it.
1: Love it. I mean, your pull-ups will probably go from like 100 down to like 98. Yeah, like 97. <laughs> That's fine.
0: Just 97. You'll raw a little
1: bit. <laughs> hey, t- tell us when and how you started Icon. What, what is it? Give yeah. get everyone like uh, an idea of what that is.
2: Oh, man, it's evolved so much, you know. like So we I, as, I started it um, 2015 and really kind of like oriented around, uh, you know, competitive stuff because it's what I had just gotten out of there wasn't much in the programming world in regards to that at the time. You know, there were a couple other things out there. So started off with being very competitive-oriented, and really that's all that we offered. And then it kind of developed more, and I started to offer some some other tracks of programming with a little bit less volume that people could still do, almost like a CrossFit Plus mentality. You know, like I love CrossFit, but I don't want to go to the games or don't have the time, but I just want a little more. So we have that. Um, And now really, like, we've tried to – take it and focus on like developing a community that really gives people just that extra bit of information that they need whether it's programming or coaching through social media outlets and you know all the cool Facebook stuff and everything that we've got out there now but I've really tried to make it a community where people can come and just be where they are and it doesn't matter if they're not, you know, uber fit person. It doesn't matter if they're a dad that's got a couple of kids and they're trying to get a workout in, in 40 minutes. It doesn't matter if they're trying to go to the CrossFit games. Like we're all in the boat together. And, um, that's something that I, I really want to try to maintain. Um, and now we're really trying to push toward giving people like a good quality hour. So, you know, even our least expensive and, and lowest volume track, people are getting a warm-up, they get a workout with the suggested goal time or rounds and workout notes that I write up for the workout so they know the intended stimulus. Oh, so good. They get a scaled option of the workout if they need it. They get an option where it's like minimal equipment if they can only do it with dumbbells and a box. And then they get a cool down and even optional accessory work. So it's very it's evolved a lot into what you know I do now. Um so yeah, it's like we just want to give people a comprehensive program that they can lean on and they can follow to a T or even just use as a resource to be like, you know what, this is so helpful to see how it's done. And I'm going to apply those things at my gym or whatever that might be.
0: Um, I have to go back to this. We alluded to it earlier. Um, And I have to tell a little story, which is when we first opened San Francisco CrossFit, Kelly and our friend Corby welded this really funny pull-up rig that actually would occasionally fall over and almost kill our clients. It's super safe. Yeah. But, um, but the, the diameter of the pull-up bar was really narrow and it was amazing. And that's where I learned how to do pull-ups and then could do a lot of pull-ups. Um, and then, you know, the traditional rogue rig has a bigger bar. Yep. Um, and I now will like elbow people out of the way to get on one of the two Chris Buehler bars we have in our gym people Um, fight for them and for the height yes and uh and argue over like how high they should be and but anyway I (laughs) I would love to hear the story of how that bar came to pass and you know why why it's out there
2: yeah so they they approached me the gosh this was probably 2009 um like hey you know We're thinking about, you know, if you want to do some kind of equipment thing, what would you think about doing? And I thought pull-up bar would be cool. And I had some ideas. And we, when we opened across the Park City, Rogue wasn't making pull-up rigs. Like they were just barbells and bumper plates, I think, at the time, you know? So I had a buddy of mine that was, uh, I don't know what kind of engineer he was. He was some kind of engineer. And he showed me how to build a pull-up rig that was just wall mounted. So it didn't have any posts into the ground. It was just mounted on the wall. And I built it out of galvanized plumbing pipe from home Depot. Yep. And like T's and unions and (laughs) Unistrut and mounted that sucker to the wall. And because it was just bare steel, that's all I knew, you know, it was just this bare steel bar that there is no cross member at the top for you know, it's like rigidity or anything. And I was just like, this is, this is all I ever know. So when they asked me like, Hey, what would you do? I was like, I want it bare steel. And I don't want that bar at the top. Just make like a gusset on the side. And, uh, and they rolled with it. And I think it's, uh, I think it's a win. I think people like that thing.
0: If San Francisco CrossFit is any measure, people really like that. Yes. And it's I know, not-
1: <laughs> I know that if I have to do pull-ups, there's one place. Yes, Make the old man look better. It makes me look better, than, be better than I am.
2: Exactly, yeah. Any help we can get.
1: Um, so here we go. You get to look back from the idea of, of coaching everyday people, being an elite athlete yourself, and really, and really creating the foundation of what we think is possible because it's easy to forget w- what you guys were doing no one had done before clean ladder. What's that? I mean, like yeah. running and I mean, it was just the, the, the things that you guys kind of set up to change our consciousness was a lot. If you could go back and just say, Hey, where, what do you think we got wrong as a community or, or something that we missed that was super important? What what would that look like now?
2: Oh man. I think, uh, that it's, we're all in the same boat. There is no, You know it's been said before, right? I mean, Glassman said it. Our needs don't vary by kind; they vary by degree, and that I believe that to be true. As the training program, I don't, and I think that all of that is in one community. I don't think it needs to feel separate. I don't think it needs to feel like, you know, the games people are over here, and the seniors are over here, and you know the like these guys are over here. It's, it's all one community that I think if we really understand what the goal of fitness is and knowing that health and fitness are the same, right? We talk about it in level ones or used to when I was teaching those, it's, and how that was a real different thing from CrossFit is how health and fitness, they are blended together. It's not one or the other, you know, we focus on both those things. And, that, I think, is something that somewhere along the way felt like it separated, and it never had to. So if I could go back in time and like that, in that world, I feel like if there could be some way, and I don't know that I know the answer, right? But there could be some way to make everyone still feel like, hey, it doesn't matter. You know, there was a time there where I think, you know, when you saw someone on the games floor, everyone was like, well, man, maybe if he can do that, I can do that. Or man, maybe even if I don't or want I to, should do that, right. Or like, may, even if I don't want to do that, that's inspiring to me. And like, that's going to help motivate me to lose 20 pounds or that's, you know what I mean? It was just that, that was a, a real special time. And I think that that can mm. be maintained and I think it's just going to take some work to do it.
1: I like that. You know, just, I mean, just on Tuesday, Juliet's mom is working out right next to Juliet. Love it. <laughs> Same gym. Yep. <laughs> Yep. Same, same, same crappy excuses, same lame work ethic. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just still yeah, trying to keep up with Juliet. It. She makes me look bad, so bad. So you, I mean, it's so fun to look at the arc of your experience and, you know, how you end up here. Um, What are you, besides Icon or in addition to Icon, I think I saw something on social media. What are you guys working on?
2: Oh, so we, uh, yeah, it's, it's kind of big for us. We um, are just bought land in park city and uh which is really hard to do here <laughs> and uh we so they just give it away don't no, they? no yeah it's totally free yeah um <laughs> and uh we're building our own building for crossfit park city which is gonna be huge for us to uh to have a kind of a forever home and space to grow and, and
0: own it yourself
2: yep you got it <sighs> Yep, so we are in the process of going through like building design and and all that stuff now. It's a lot
0: so you know when we we used to have San Francisco CrossFit in the parking lot behind this sport sporting goods store called the Sports Basement. Oh yeah. And Kelly and I will never forget, and we have not been able to do this because San Francisco is even more ridiculous. Yeah. But they always told us that their best business decision they ever made owning retail stores was actually buying the buildings where their yeah. stores were, and that that was actually their smartest business decision. That the retail was so in flux and the internet was changing everything, yeah. and that they were literally afloat and able to have retail stores because they they own the buildings. So I think that's really smart.
2: Thanks. It's great. It's funny you say that because one of the, it's really cool. One of the, our members at our gym, he's in his late sixties and he even said the same thing. He's, he grew up in the Midwest and he and his family owned Ford dealerships. And he was like, my dad always told me that our car dealerships aren't worth anything, but the land and the buildings we own that they are in is where it's worth it. And he was like, my dad was right. And I was like, I'll tell you what, A guy almost 70 years old is telling me that. I better pay attention listen up.
1: (laughs) Well, two things. I can't wait to come run whatever horrible hill you have right next to your place because I know there's a hill involved because you're evil this way. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Second is we can't wait to come out. When do you guys think you're going to break ground on that? Because we are there if there's a party.
2: Yeah, so we are looking to break ground realistically in probably about three months or so once we get the designs, the permits pulled, all that. And then hoping to have the building done in a year. But once we get there, we're gonna we're gonna have a have a bash for sure and and try to have a good welcoming party to break it in. And you're CrossFit Park City, right? Yep. You got it. CrossFitparkCity.com.
1: But what's the uh what's the web address for this incredible home programming? Because one of the things that we've seen is this pivot towards the garage gym. Yeah. That people need to be able to train at home. Go get some help, have a professional relationship, but get this you know, get, get done what they need to get done at home. I think that's what we've democratized and you guys doing such a good job. So how, what's, what is the resource to be able to have people be able to tap into your brain?
2: Yeah. If you just go to iconathlete.com, there's a bunch of different options there. And the the simplest one is called unify. Um, But you know, any of that is where you can get all the goods on the programming and we've got a podcast Doug and I do and uh, just called icon athlete. So yep. That's, that is the spot iconathlete.com.
0: Awesome. And where can people find you on the social media or otherwise?
2: Yeah. C Spieler is my Instagram. Um, and that's kind of my personal one and anything else that I have going on, I generally kind of link to that. Uh, and that's, that's the main hub, I guess on the social the sock meds
0: sock meds. Well, uh, Chris, thank you so much. It's just a pleasure to talk to you.
2: You bet guys. Thanks for having me.
1: Thank you for listening to The Ready State. If you like what you're hearing, check out all of our episodes here or at mobilitywad.com.
0: The Ready State is the podcast of mobilitywad.com, where we've assembled the world's most comprehensive database of guided movement mechanics and mobility videos, all with the goal to help improve performance and eliminate pain. Each motivated by the simple idea that all human beings should be able to perform basic maintenance on themselves.
1: We're also on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram under mobilitywad, that's W O D as a workout of the day. Till next time, cheers everyone.
2: You got, it. You, stop it. you got it.
0: You got it. Kelly Starrett is a New York Times bestselling author of Becoming a Supple Leopard and Ready to Run. He's a coach, a physical therapist, an athlete, and an innovator who works with elite athletes as well as everyday people who just want to be healthier and happier in their lives. Juliette Starrett is a co-founder and CEO of both San Francisco CrossFit and Mobility WAD co-founder of StandUpKids.org, a writer, an entrepreneur, and a world champion athlete. Our theme music was provided by Rogue Wave. You got it! You stop it. You got it!